Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Bay Area News Group, it's the TK Show. Now here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Everybody, Tim Kawakami here with part two or episode two of today. We're still at Warriors headquarters. It doesn't make a lot of sense for the next guest I'm talking to, but that's just where we are. It's where we're set up. Uh, and it is very, very, very happy to have my good friend from I don't know how many years back, back when I was just a young punk and so was my good friend covering the Eagles long ago uh, back when Buddy Ryan was the head coach, Randall Cunningham was the quarterback and God knows what else was happening but uh, here's my good friend from Comcast Philly, right? CSN Philly? Ruben Frank, yeah. beat writer for the Eagles. Uh, really opportune time to talk talk to Rube because you covered the former coach of the Eagles, if I remember correctly, Chip Kelly, who the 49ers just hired. Uh, what was your reaction when you when you heard that the 49ers were looking at Chip Kelly, and what's your reaction now that you know, they hired him? I guess my first reaction, Tim, and I think we go back 27 years. I'm sitting here doing the math. <laughs> God. I think we started covering the Eagles in 88, I think. Yeah, about the same uh, year, right? But, you and I covered started the same year. I think No, I was 87, I think, and then you were 88, something like that. So I got you by a year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I'm still doing it, yeah. though. But, uh, yeah, you know, my first reaction was it's a good hire, but he, he's got to adjust. He's got to change. And uh, with, with most coaches, when they get that second job, you see them. You see them do that, and uh, listen. There's there's no manual how to do this. There's no, um, you know, there's no right and wrong way. Sometimes you kind of feel your way, and when when you're doing things as differently as Chip, uh, I think it it was really tough for him to kind of, uh, you know, learn on the run. And and he was trying to do things that had never been done as far as tempo. And uh, I, I think if he doesn't adjust the way he runs the offense, um, it, it's it's just not going to work because you're putting so much pressure on the defense. And they're going to wear it down at the end of games, at the end of the season. It's inevitable when when you have a defense out there playing 36, 37 minutes a game. You know that's an extra that's an extra few games by the end of the year. So you got a defense playing 19 games and offense playing 13 games, and that's just not a formula for sustained success. Uh, so unless you have the world's greatest offense that's converting third downs all the time and sustaining drives and out there scoring 40 points a game, if you have that. It can work, but if you don't, if you have an offense like most that goes into slumps and that struggles at times and has off days, uh, it's going to be really, really tough. And and I think Chip can have success. I think he's a really good coach uh, if he understands that and if he does make some adjustments. And that might mean not going Temple all the time. Uh, you know, maybe every other drive or, or or two out of three drives, or kind of having a, a sense of more of a sense of what your defense is going through and how they're holding up. Uh, before you make the decision to, to go tempo. And, uh, you know, when you look at the 49ers offense, you know, there's certainly uh, not a powerhouse. If I would say to, that. Yeah, that might be a little rough on them. Is that a safe a characterization? Rough on, <laughs> a little rough on the 31st-ranked uh, offense in football, but you, go ahead. <laughs> well, you go with that. I'll sustain that. Go ahead. Yeah, so if, uh, you know, if he tries to run, uh, you know, no huddle and tempo, um, all the time with that offense, uh, it, it's it, he's doomed to failure. So I think the big thing for him is is to make some adjustments and and really listen to listen to the players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and and just be more aware of what they're going through and what they're experiencing. Uh, and, and if he can do that, I think it can work. 
But weren't these concerns brought up, I mean, even at the beginning of this, that you're going to wear out your defense, this is not the Pac-12, you're not playing Washington State. Did, did he hear these things, and did he make any adjustments to this to, to try to take some of the pressure off of his defense? None. He made none in three years. And I think this year, oh, this year we, and yeah, he heard, I mean, we, I think we asked him about it at every single press conference he ever did. Uh, and there were guys on the defense, notably Carrie Williams was the one who was most vocal uh, about it uh, when he was here in the first two years at Chip. Uh, but other guys, you'd hear Malcolm Jenkins, it would bubble over. Guys would make comments after uh, blowing 14 point leads in the fourth quarter about, hey, you know, well, we were, we were out there 39 minutes. <laughs> you know, we, we played 90 plays yep. on defense, and, and he heard it, but he just never adjusted. And uh, I don't know why. I, I think um, that first year it worked best. You know what's interesting, Tim? The, the best half that Chip Kelly ever coached as far as offensive production was the first half of his first game yep. against the Redskins. They had like 393 yards, you know, 26 points or something. That was the first half he ever coached, yeah. and then it went downhill from there. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you can you can do something and it works, and at some point it stops working. You got to make that next counter counter punch. Uh, I, I know you, you appreciate a good boxing <laughs> metaphor there. So, uh, more ancient history, more ancient history. Yeah, that's the qu- question <laughs> I would have. Right. I, again, I, I acknowledge he's schematically is he's done a lot of interesting things, and and probably will always do interesting things. But if he didn't adjust during his career, it wasn't like he was with the Eagles for one year. He was with the Eagles for three years, in the NFL for three years. And if he didn't adjust then, I'm not sure what would be the motivation for him to adjust now, other than, you know, it's what you would think he would do. But if he was stubborn enough to stay that way in Philadelphia, why wouldn't he just stay that way in the Fortnite? He's getting a new contract. He got $24 million. What the hell? I'm going to do it my way because I'm Chip Kelly. Is is that an off-base yeah. way to approach this? That, that, that I, I don't know that he's going to make any adjustments. I don't either. In fact, I would guess he's not. Yeah. I would guess he would tell you that, you know, it it does work. That you know, the first year they made the playoffs. The second year they were nine and three after twelve games, and uh, you know, seemingly on their way to well, we thought a, a, a first round bye. I mean, they were in in position. They just had to win a couple of games to get a first round bye, and they didn't do it. So, uh, and then this year, uh, you know, he could kind of rationalize it with you know a lot of injuries and things that didn't work out personnel wise, and uh, but. I, I, I'd be surprised. The guy, you use the word stubborn. I mean, this guy goes way beyond stubborn. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's clinical about it. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I mean, he'll stand there and and he will he will make a 12-minute impassioned argument that the sky is green. You know, mm-hmm. and we're all looking up there and saying, Chip, the sky is blue. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, like, it really is blue. And, and he will, man, he will... He will really try to stand up there and convince you it's green. So uh, he's not a guy that has shown any inclination to adjust and to and to change things. But in in my opinion, if he doesn't, it's just not going to work over the long term. You might have a good year, you, you might have a, a a couple playoff years, but as far as sustained success and a deep playoff run, you no, know, I, I just don't think you can run it run the offense the way he does. And, and have that. You know, we, we've heard different things about, well, he was grabbing for power in Philly, or no, he just kind of was there and no one else was going to do it, so Chip did it. I, my understanding is that he always kind of wanted control, at least of, of who stayed uh, and who could who would fit his system. 
do you think this is something that just he kind of wandered into, or is this, is, was he grabbing for power uh, in a situation where he wanted it his way and he had a specific kind of player that he wanted on the team? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what he wants the most is a personnel guy that he can really trust, who understands what he wants in a player and what he needs in a player. And and then he doesn't have to be the guy with final say because he trusts the guy. And he had that in Tommy Gamble. And then Howie Roseman fired Tommy Gamble. And, you know, and, and Chip was in a situation where, I mean, Chip can't stand Howie and doesn't trust his personnel judgment. And, it was only for that reason that Tom wasn't here and Howie was in charge that that Chip, you know, at the end of last year, the day after last year, had told Jeff Lurie, the owner, uh, I, I need to run this thing because I can't make it work with with Howie. It's just not going to work. So what's the? Uh, real- I don't think he wants. I don't think he wants final say. I don't. I don't think he wants that. I think. I think he felt he was in a position where he had to obtain it or he wasn't going to have a chance to win. But he's going to get mad if, if the general manager is taking guys that he can't put into a scheme, though, I would have to, I would have to believe. Exactly. And, and, and that's the most interesting thing. And, and you know, I mean, his, Chip Kelly players are different kind of players, mm-hmm. on, you know, on, on really on both sides of the ball. And so there's got to be a great, a tremendous amount of communication and trust between the GM and, and the coach for it to work. And, you know, he didn't have that here. Uh, and so he was in charge, and then he started getting rid of all the good players, yeah. and that's another story. But <laughs> yeah, um, let's just go. It, let's, uh, did you get it? Yeah. You know, you go Lashawn McCoy, you go Deshaun Jackson, you go Evan Mathis. There's a, a series of others that 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 didn't fit what Chip was looking at, and, and got rid of. Was was there a theme? Did you could you kind of figure it out almost before he'd go after a guy? Is there a type of player that you'd say on the 49ers, Let's say that he's going to say, "I don't want this guy. I don't care how good he is." Yeah, if I was John Taylor, I'd watch out. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I, it was just guys with with big contracts and guys who, um, I mean, just, no, I don't think there was any common theme. I think they're all different. You know, he he thought he could trade, he could trade Lashawn McCoy and get an, an All Pro linebacker. He ended up getting a guy he couldn't even couldn't make a play, didn't make a play all year. Kiko he thought, Alonso, yeah, uh, yeah, Kiko, yeah, Alonso. Kiko Alonso, yeah. right, and. Uh, and you know he, you know Macklin, he just didn't want to pay him ten million. He, you know, he he offered nine million, didn't want to go up. He ended up without an elite wide receiver. Uh, Deshaun was, Deshaun was a, a combination of things, and that was the previous year. But Deshaun was mainly, and that was an, more of an organizational. They all agreed on on that, and I can't I can't argue with the Deshaun thing. They thought he was kind of a one trick pony, deep deep threat who who would catch six or eight deep balls a year and didn't really do a whole lot else. Uh, I can't argue with that. That's really what he does. He's really good at it, but mm-hmm. in, in his offense, it takes the takes wide receiver running deep patterns so long to get back to the line of scrimmage. It was mm-hmm. slowing them down. Wow, that's an interesting uh, so that, yeah, that's that was that. And there was yeah. he, he just he just did not like Deshaun. Deshaun showed up for his first OTA and didn't know the plays and, and that was really it. He, he was done with Deshaun after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Chip holds a grudge. That's another thing. He, he can hold a grudge like nobody I've ever seen. Maybe Rich Cotite. Uh, so, <laughs> you always want so to be compared really with Cotite. That's what any every owner wants to hear about his new coach. Paying twenty four million. <laughs> kind of reminds me of Cotite just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but you know, with Evan Mathis, that was another. That was just pure stubbornness. That was yeah. that's all it was. Evan Matthews. Evan Mathis was a two time Pro Bowl guard. Was you know chirping about his contract. So Chip just got rid of him. Yeah. So instead of kind of working the thing like. Most people will do just kind of work the thing, and 
you know, hey, we'll, you know, get through this year, we'll talk or whatever. He just caught him. Just caught him. You, you know, can't what? do that. You can't just can't just keep getting rid of good players. Yeah. And, yeah. and it finally caught up to him this year. That's the, the of all those bizarre moves. The one that I never got my my head around was at the running back. You know, LaShawn McCoy, okay, maybe you can say uh, we're not going to put this much investment into a running back who who might not be here in two years just because that's what happens to running backs. But then what was then why turn around and go after DeMarco Murray and uh, Ryan Matthews? I mean, I know that Frank Gore was in there somewhere and we could talk. I don't know what happened there, but explain to me what his thought process was at the running back position last offseason. Yeah, he really ignored a a mountain of evidence when he signed DeMarco Murray that that deal because DeMarco Murray had 497 mm-hmm. touches the previous year with Dallas. And Dallas basically, they didn't even want him back. They squeezed yeah. every amount of, of work they could get out of him, uh, used him up, and then just had they had no intention of ever resigning him. And, you know, I mean, he was disposable to them. 497 touches is the sixth most ever. And 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 the the history of running backs getting that kind of workload is it, it's I mean there's two guys in history who who've gotten over 350 touches and haven't shown a significant decline not just the next year but throughout their career and those two guys are Curtis Martin and John Riggins I mean it's 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 almost a lock that if you get that kind of that kind of work you're just never going to be the same player and we saw it this year I mean he was he was a shadow of his former self so to give that kind of financial and you know, um, you know, schematic, uh, you know, commitment to a player who you could almost bank on him not being the same player. It, it was it was outrageous. It made no sense. And then Ryan Matthews, just a talented guy who's always hurt. And yeah. what happened this year? He averaged five yards a carry, and he was always hurt. Yeah, that's so the, one the where... running back thing. I think out of all the moves, really showed his limitations personnel wise. You know, you lose LaShawn McCoy, who I think over the last seven years he has more rushing yards than anybody uh, other than, uh, I think, AP. And and you end up with these, these guys. One guy's hurt all the time, and the other guy's averaging three yards a carry. Why didn't Frank Gore end up signing there? Yeah, that's a great question. He, uh, he claims he never agreed. Uh, I, I know there's people that, that got to him and told him you really don't want it. It's not a place you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Chip says we never had an argument, uh, an agreement. And uh, I don't know, it was a really weird thing. I don't think anybody really knows other than Chip and Gore. But um, see that I one, do know that, that people. So that one might have. Yeah, so that one might have some resonance in, in the four nine locker room. I'll tell you that. No, it's true. Um, I mean, listen, Chip's reputation is, is not great around the league. I mean, there's a lot of players that, that don't like playing for him. Uh, some have good reason for it and some don't. Um, his practices are, are hard. I mean, they're, they're too hard. They're, they're too long. Um, they're, they're at a tempo that's draining. I mean, they practice on Saturday. Nobody practices mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, and uh, it, there's always grumbling in the locker room about, I can't believe we're doing this today. I can't believe we're doing this tomorrow. And you know they've never finished strong. They've never finished strong since in this three years. It almost it, it almost seems like it would have been better for him to take a year off and kind of like reassess and go hang out with you know his buddy Saban or go hang out whatever, and and instead of just plopping right back into it. And 
I'm telling you, the 49ers aren't asking him to change because why, why would they have asked him to change? They just hired him, you know, eight days after he was fired, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I don't know that he'll – my theories on these guys, they never change. They don't. I mean, they, they're successful for a reason because they're stubborn. And if they were not stubborn, they wouldn't be successful. That's that's so much I've seen. The greatest and most successful guys are the most stubborn because this is what gets them where they are. Well, what's what's again? What's the motivation for Chip Kelly to change anything? He's got twenty-four million dollars based on what he does. And we talk about right. change. Don't go up tempo, or, or don't do this, don't do that. Well, that, then he's not Chip Kelly anymore. He's something else. Right. Right. No, you're right. And I mean, the thing the thing about about his offense is when when it's working. You know, it, it really puts an incredible amount of pressure on on the defense. You know, they can't make personnel changes, and you know, you see teams that are gassed in the middle of the third quarter when it's when it's working, when they're converting third downs, and you know, but they they never really got sustained quarterback play other than you know the, the one stretch Nick Foles had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you have to have that. You have to have almost elite, you know, really elite level quarterback play for this thing to work, and and. uh you know that's rare in this league. If he finds it, uh, maybe he'll. You know, if he if he finds that kind of, you know, Nick Foles had 29 touchdowns and two interceptions mm-hmm. uh, in 2013, and they went 10 and six and, and made the playoffs. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take whoever's the quarterback there is going to have to be uh, efficient and uh, you know not turn the ball over and and not make mistakes and complete 65 percent of his passes and you know and and that's that's the roadmap. That's the formula. If if, if he can do that. If the quarterback can do that and go out there and be decisive and and productive and uh, careful with the ball, the the thing is dangerous. I mean, they can put up 500 yards against anybody, Mm -hmm. but it just takes that exact formula. Or you know, once once you lose that, it's just not going to happen. Which obviously brings us right to the question we've been talking about for two days or more. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, in many ways, seems like a guy that you know the two the two way threat that would flourish in a Chip Kelly offense, but. Certainly was terrible for most of this season and has never been the most accurate thrower. Do you look at Colin Kaepernick and say that yeah, Chip would absolutely want him, or do you think he would have some questions about Kaepernick? No, I don't think he's a good fit. Only in that, like you just said, that the two things Chip likes in a quarterback—it's not really a running ability as much as decisiveness and accuracy, and just being able to get to the line of scrimmage and get the ball to the right place. You know, really quickly, and uh, he's never struck me as and be accurate. He never struck me as a guy that you know can make very, very quick decisions. You have to be really mentally acute to to play quarterback in in his system, and it's almost more important than anything else than running ability or or, any, or size or anything. You got to be able to get to the line of scrimmage and think really, really quickly, and 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 make that read really quickly, and get back to the line of scrimmage and do it again, and process a lot of information in a very short time. I don't think Colin Kaepernick. I don't think that matches his strengths. Because hmm, you know, you think, and we, I've certainly heard him. I'm sure you heard the rumbles that Chip wanted to trade for him when 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 Chip was in Philadelphia. Yeah. You think that's incorrect, or do you think, you know, he well, sees he, he was facing having Mark Sanchez as his only quarterback <laughs> yeah. under contract. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he was still here, <laughs> he yeah. would have have one quarterback under contract, and it's Mark Sanchez. So, uh, if I only had Mark Sanchez, I'd probably be looking at you know Colin Kaepernick and RG three as well. You know, you're looking for. You know, a, a retread somebody you can you know who's been benched somewhere and you know not playing somebody you can reinvent. Uh, but I, I don't you know just from what I know of what he likes in the quarterback, Kaepernick is not a is not a match. Is Blaine Gabbert a match? I don't really know enough. I haven't seen enough Blaine Gabbert uh, to to really. 
And God really bless know, yourself for God bless for yourself that you can say that, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> I do. I feel, feel really lucky I can stand here and say that. Uh, I mean, who? I mean, so g- give me an idea of uh, you know we we both haven't scoured the free agent list or what? I mean, is it is it draft a rookie and, and throw him in there? What's what's the general Chip Kelly idea? Just I know you're just guessing here, but what would you say he does? Well, I I would guess he's going to try to sign Sam Bradford. Mm. Which would be uh, that? That would be a heck of a oh my uh, the headlines, thanks, really, the headlines on that one. Oh my goodness, Sam Bradford's coming. And, to then, save and the then of course the Eagles would just say, "Well, you know, we we were never interested in him anyway. We <laughs> we like Sanchez." But um, <laughs> I think Bradford is is a really good fit. We saw mm-hmm. the second half of this year; he was as good as anybody. The last eight games, I mean, his passer, you know, his passer rating was like ninety seven. He was completing he completed sixty eight percent of his passes the last eight games. You know, you really saw what kind of match he could be. Uh, accurate, decisive, and and productive, and in, in you know when he was healthy. So, uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he tries to get Bradford. All right, we we already got the Chip Kelly a little bizarrity that they they announced that he's hired on on a Thursday and he won't meet anybody uh, publicly until Wednesday or Thursday the next week. Uh, what was his relationship with the media? Does he think the media is a pain in the butt? What well, probably already is, but or does he does he think that he needs to share anything? Is he is he trying to duck the media? I know he has not had a lot of off season availabilities with with the Philadelphia media. Was it just because you guys are just jerks, or what's the deal with Chip Kelly and the media? Pretty much the jerk thing. <laughs> no, he, he's uh, he's like you know any any college coach. You know he's just kind of a control freak that way. I, I was. It occurred to me today, I know Doug Peterson better than I know Chip Kelly. Mm. Uh, Doug Peterson's been head coach of the Eagles for like 10 hours. Yep. You know, <laughs> I know yep. him better than Chip. Wow. I just, he, he's just, he's really just, he's like the weirdest person I've ever dealt with in my life from, from a point of just secrecy and, you know, just not even making any small talk. I mean, I, I might have had five in three years, maybe six personal conversations in the hallway with him none of which lasted longer than 20 seconds. And that was it. I mean, I, you know, you go from, from Andy Reed who kind of, you know, he's, he's like, Hey, how did your daughter do on her math test last mm-hmm. night? To you know, to Chip Kelly, who just is, is in a, is in a, in a cocoon in a shell and just, he's not going to let you anywhere close to him. I mean, he, he was guarded to the point of obsession. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. That seems like it's to turn out really well here. I'm sure. Uh, is is he a guy who gets? Did you did he ever air you out for something you wrote? Is he a guy who gets sensitive as he react to things that somewhere someone else might have written? Does he react to to stuff like that? Not really. Uh, no, I mean he'll he's incredibly smart. He's got an amazing memory. So mm-hmm. if if you're wrong about something, you know he will. And then say you're wrong about something, and then eight months later you you ask about the same thing in an interview. He'll 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 know he'll know he'll be like, well, you know, you you're asking me that, but you you said eight months ago, blah blah blah. You know, so why are you asking me that? You, you know, I mean, he's he's he he's his memory is astounding. His his recall of different things that people said and wrote, uh, and and he uses that in press conferences, and you know, it's it's kind of humorous. It's funny to see, but. Uh, you know his, his relationship. I don't. Know, he never did a one-on-one with anybody in three years he was here. And Peter King would fly in. He wouldn't give him a one-on-one. Everybody, yeah. everybody gives Peter King yeah. a one-on-one. It's you know, like, who, you know who didn't give Peter. King, you know who didn't give Peter King a one-on-one? Jim Harbaugh. 
which is really yeah, which is the interesting duality for us is in, in a weird and different ways. But Harbaugh didn't do that big hitter thing. He did not. You know, he did a you know he might do a here or there with a local guy, uh, but he wasn't servicing Adam Schefter or or Peter King or Jake Glazer. And Niners yeah. didn't like Niners didn't like that. They love those guys. I mean, most owners love those guys. That's who they want the information sure. to go to. And if Chip is not doing that, and again, I don't know who Chip's going to talk to. Yeah, does, does Chip have guys? Does he have like I know he's got the you know nutrition guys and the performance guy. I mean, are there going to be like thirty new guys showing up at Forty Nineers headquarters? Yeah, I would guess yes. You know, we the day after Chip was hired in Philly, we saw like it was like this like bus after bus mm-hmm. of people in Oregon shirts that we had no idea what the function was. We still don't. Just, just like, you know, an army an army of people in Oregon ducks here, you know. Boy, we still don't know what they did. So yeah, you'll you'll be uh you'll be taken over by the, the Oregon army, no doubt. Oh, you paint such a pretty picture. Uh again, I, I people are gonna come off to say Kawakami's just killing Chip Kelly. I think he's again interesting hire. It's a risky hire. I, I give them credit for that. I do think that there's a reason why he was available, and there's a reason why there, no other team was going to hire him. But again, it's risk. That that's what's what's part of this. Uh, are you going to tune in? To, you know, I imagine you're going to tune in to Niners games uh, a lot more than you used to. What, what you what will you be looking for in, in early season 49ers games, knowing you know whether it determines that they rise or fall? What what are the things that you think are going to be most important that he needs to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, his 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 start in Philly was better than, you know, his first month in Philly was better than any other period. So it's kind of hard yeah. to, you know, it'd be kind of hard to to look and say, well, this is, this is different now, or this has improved. Uh, but I guess for me, it's just the, you know, what's he doing differently, you know, as far as practice, as far as uh, tempo during the game, as far as, you know, even defensive substitutions, which isn't going to be his call directly, but it's something that they have to consider after the collapse that this defense had the last few years. So I think I'll just look for, you know, what, what's Chip doing differently? What's he learned from this experience in Philadelphia that he can, you know, he can take to San Francisco and be more successful. When he gets that one, when I get that one-on-one with him, then, then we'll really know Chip and me sitting down. It'll be a warm embrace. I'm sure. Since that franchise. Yeah, especially looked- if you tell him, if you tell him, you know, me, you know, certainly. <laughs> That's the end. They'll react warmly. <laughs> All right, Ruben, it's been great stuff. I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody at the end. Uh, Ruben Frank, CSN Philly, what's your favorite restaurant? Well, my favorite restaurant would probably be the uh, the Eagles Training Camp Cafeteria in Westchester. <laughs> really? Where we used to, oh, yeah, we used to yeah that's right. Six, we used to stand outside and wait for, no. <laughs> wait for Seth Joyner to come in and talk to us. Yeah. Seth Joyner, who's an analyst with us now, CSNPhilly.com. But tremendous. Uh, no, my favorite restaurant is a place in New Hope, Pennsylvania, uh, far, far away from you guys, mm-hmm. called Dector. It's a tapas, tapas place, wine bar, tremendous food and wine, uh, great view of the Delaware River and the new the, the rolling hills of Central New Jersey beyond it. I love that place. Love Come on it. out and uh, dinner's on me. Uh, it always is, Rube. It, it always is. Uh, listen, uh, always great talk. Ruben and I, you, you know, we go way back. We have too many inside jokes for people to quite understand on Twitter, but we do it anyway uh, because we lived through some years together uh, back when we were just just formulating our weir- our own weirdness together. But uh, Ruben, we got to play, play play tennis on a clay court again pretty soon. 
<laughs> yeah. Next time I'll tell the story of what happened with your racket when you were living in the uh, outside LA, but that's another story. I don't even want to get into that. All right, Rube, everybody, Ruben Frank, great discussion on Chip right, Kelly. I'm sure Chip is already listening to this podcast. Thanks a lot, Rube. All right, there we go. Bunch of shows today. Thank you to the Warriors for uh, allowing us to set up a table at Warriors headquarters. And thank you, as always, to my super producer, Paul Baca. Those are shows for today. Three shows I did. One of Warriors Plus Minus and two TK shows. That's enough of that. See you, everybody.